New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. Although there have been many births and deaths of civilizations in the last 5,000 years, the present time may be far more radical a change than any other. Will we be able to make the evolutionary jump that is needed for moving into a new age of planetary health and well-being of all life forms? What will it take to create economic and environmental sustainability? How can we end our collective hypnotic trance to materialism and our unconscious addiction to overconsumption? How can we become authors to the new story of humanity? Thoughts on these and many other questions will serve as the focus of this edition of New Dimensions with our guest Barbara Marks Hubbard. Barbara Marks Hubbard is a visionary futurist and evolutionary educator. She is a co-founder and chair of the board of the Foundation for Conscious Evolution and co-founder of the Association for Global New Thought and the World Future Society. In 1984, her name was placed in nomination for the vice presidency of the United States on the Democratic ticket. She is a guide and teacher for the Shift Network's Agents of Conscious Evolution Training. She's the author of many books, including Emergence, The Shift from Ego to Essence, and Birth 2012 and Beyond, Humanity's Great Shift to the Age of Conscious Evolution. Join us for the next hour as we discover how we may shift to a new era of conscious evolution with our guest, Barbara Marks Hubbard. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Barbara, welcome. I am so glad to be here, Justine. We are old friends, not so old, but friends, troopers, <laughs> pioneers for so long. And I'm so happy to be with you just now when it appears that this shift is more visible. It is indeed an exciting time. And Barbara, you are so right. We have been together for decades now, decades, going back to the early 70s. And you have been talking about the new story of humanity and a new birthing. And it seems like we're on the precipice of something. So tell us about the new story. Well, the new story really is the universe story. It's not new in the sense of not ever existing before, but we didn't understand that it's an evolving universe until the 60s. 
when we, we when discovered the background radiation of the first original flaring forth. And from that time, they realized that the universe was, is now, and will be evolving rather than a static and permanent eternal universe. That changed all the cosmologies. It really changed the cosmologies of all the religions of the world. And it completely affected me to realize that the new story is that we are part of a multi-billion year history entering a new era when we're aware of evolution and could affect it by our own acts. We can, ha- we can actually affect our own extinction or we can affect our own evolution. So the crisis is a wake-up call for human consciousness. So we're at a choice point. Conscious evolution is evolution by choice, not chance. Barbara, when you were talking about the the discoveries, let's say, in the 60s, we've been working on, you you talk about science, I know, and you mentioned in your book and all of your teachings and writings that science is a big, big deal for us. The way we look at science is part of the story we use, and we have been using Newtonian science for a long time, and tell us a little bit about how that story works and how it manifests in the world. Well, there is an orthodoxy about materialistic science that says evolution is a random walk. There's no purpose, no direction, no progress even. The neo-Darwinians will say, I don't see any greater progress as, you know, if we go from bacteria to animal to human, because actually the bacteria have lived longer than we have, and there's just this point of view. So the new and the scientific orthodoxy is still saying there's no direction, no intention, no purpose underlying evolution. The new sciences are recognizing a degree of order, of coherence, of non-locality on a universal scale, and are seeking how to articulate a higher order within the actual substrate of universal intelligence. So Barbara, in the... the all science, they were saying the universe would um, is in entropy and, and it, it's going to dissipate and dissipate and dissipate until finally we, we go into a heat, you know, overheated and then it's all over. But you're saying that there is a possibility, in the new science, there's a possibility of reordering it and, and adding more energy into the system, that the dissipation is not really happening? In, is that well, what you're saying? the discovery by Ilya Prigogine of dissipative structures was answering the question, how did nature evolve from, from no thing at all through ever more complex forms when the law of second law of thermodynamics would indicate entropy increases? This order increases in a system. How come we're getting higher order? It's a very complex and brilliant theory, but basically my understanding is that when a system is breaking down, it uses more and more of its energy to maintain itself, but it can't. Meanwhile, novel innovations pop up. In biology, they would be mutation. In human history, would be innovations. And at some point, those novel innovations start to connect in a non-linear exponential interaction of the new. 
and the system jumps to a higher order. And it eats entropy. It uses disorder for higher order. Or not. (laughs) Billions of species are extinct before we got here. But those species that were able to synergize, they jump to a more complex order. Well, bacteria, as as we've heard from Elizabeth Satoris, who's a, a wonderful evolution biologist, she talks about bacteria as an example, a marvelous example of how a new order has been created because they have eaten up their environment, kind of like where we are now, and yet they were able to make the jump. So how, how does that translate to us? Well, it, it's just a simple thought that Elizabeth makes very clear. When any species is young, it tends to be competitive among itself. It tends to overshoot its environmental mark. It tends to overpopulate, pollute, and fight. And either it learns synergy with its own environment, with itself and other species, or it's extinct. In other words, nature selects for species that can cooperate better. So it's not survival of the fittest, it's survival of the those that cooperate and collaborate. Well, Is look, that what you're saying? Just look at the history of single cells, multi-cells. Multi-cells are obviously more intelligent than single cells. And then you get these large multicellular animals. And we have trillions of cells talking to trillions of cells right now. In, Inside in, our own in, bodies. In a human body. And each of those cells has a history of the evolutionary journey it took to take to create eyes, to create these thumbs, to create this you know this voice. And I sometimes look at someone else or myself and appreciate the incredible journey of brilliance that the cells are are doing in my body. I'm not paying any attention to how they coordinate unless something breaks down. And you're doing the same. And now we're in a planetary organism that's connecting. We're in a planetary system where the ecologies are interdependent and so on. So it appears that nature's tendency is to create more complex order. And uh, Teilhard de Chardin called it the law of complexity consciousness. As systems become more complex, they jump in consciousness and interior connection like multicellular creature has have more interconnection internally. So it looks to me like on planet Earth, many of us are feeling connected through the heart. We're awakening from within by some degree of feeling oneness with nature, with each other, with spirit. And that community of the awakening heart of humanity, if you want to call it that, that community is now connecting very rapidly through the Internet. Well, I want to talk about that coherence of the heart and that connection with others in just a moment. I also, I, I want to go back to uh, your, I remember in in the 70s, the late 70s, we were together and we were at uh, a New Dimension sponsored event called uh, Three Jewels in the Lotus. And you were one of three speakers Oh, it was such a pivotal time for me, what you were saying and what you were talking about. 
and it, it was about a, a birthing, a, a, a big birth, a super birth, a big birth. And can you describe that a little bit? Yes. So what I, my metaphor for what's happening is a crisis of birth toward a more co-creative, co-evolving humanity. It's a genuine crisis. Actually, a biological birth is a crisis, too. And we are overpopulating, polluting, and overgrowing the womb of, of a finite system. So if we were to continue with that, we could destroy our culture, our environment, and much of life on Earth. However, what's happening now is cells are awakening to greater impulse, greater creativity, greater connectivity. And if those cells can connect, which is to say members of this body, with the the nervous system of internet, cell phones, Twitter, Facebook, all of that, radio, I believe it's possible for us to feel the connectedness through the heart of humanity. Enough of us. And I'm calling that the birth of the next era of human evolution is our awakening simultaneously on this planet. The crisis of danger to destroy our life support system is exactly the pressure awakening millions of us to connect. So it's just as a baby is is born, they're in a crisis. They've over outgrown the womb. They're crowded in, and that crisis of birth to come into the newness, be born. And you're saying that's what we're going through right now, or we could be going through right now. I think we're going through it one way or the other. And what we're talking about is gentling the birth. Gentling, and, and not having a stillbirth. I'm here with Barbara Marks Hubbard. She's the author of Birth 2012 and Beyond, Humanity's Great Shift, to the new to the age of conscious evolution. And if you'd like to be in touch with her, you can go to her website. It's evolve.org or you can go to birth2012.com. Either one of those. Uh, my name is Justine Willis Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. here with Barbara Marks Hubbard, and we're talking about conscious evolution. Uh, Barbara, you mentioned something about the heart's coherence and connecting with one another. Can you describe that more fully? What, what are you talking about? Well, I'd like to go back and describe Teilhard de Chardin's inspiration that moved me way back in the 60s when I read it. Teilhard de Chardin, who said the law of complexity, consciousness. Systems become more complex, single cells, animals, humans, now 
humanity. That complexity is called the noosphere, or thinking layer of Earth. That's all the search engines, the internet, the cultural language. Think of the global intelligence that is now encoded beyond our own genetic code. And now it's being connected through all of this uh, new technology, including 5.7 billion cell phones. Amazing. So he, Teilhard, way back in, I guess, the 50s and 40s, he said he thought at some point this noosphere would get its collective eyes by connecting center with center and heart with heart. And he was a Christian, so he called it the Christification of the earth. When I read that, it triggered in me an absolute soul purpose to help contribute to exactly that. The noosphere, getting its collective eyes through connecting with each other, just as we're doing on this radio show, and bringing it to the point of critical mass of connectivity, whatever that is. And let's say we're not sure, because we've never done it before. But whatever it is, we're aiming to connect it by December 22nd, 2012. And the reason we've picked that is December 21st has been chosen by Mayan prophecy and the media with all the doomsday and the movies and the uh, apocalyptic scenarios. Okay, something is coming to an end. Certain behavior patterns, we don't know. And the Earth is reflecting it too. It's a critical time on climate change. The economies worldwide are, are just becoming very chaotic. So it's not just prophetic visions, it's actual scientific verification. All of that's happening. So we decided to take the day after December 21st, which could be considered a day of the birth, of celebrating what's being born through us. Because just as certain things are breaking down, it's equally true that certain things are breaking through. But the media in general doesn't pick it up. The universities don't teach it. The organized religions don't preach it. <laughs> the global corporations don't sell it. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're saying that it's up to the people who are experiencing this to use every media we possibly can to connect in a celebration. And we're calling it uh, Birth 2012. That's so beautiful. Uh, and I... I want to talk more about that. I, I want to mention something about when when the two th- the year two thousand turned. Mm-hmm. There was something that was on the media that was so extraordinary, and so you're talking about having this in a bigger way happen this later this year. And let me just describe a little bit of what that was. They, as the sun appeared in every culture, starting uh, in the Pacific uh, Ocean, the, the, the little islands starting there where the international dateline is, they, they showed people celebrating mm-hmm. the turn of the millennium. And then it went to Japan, and, and then it went to China and India. And, it, and as the sun appeared in each of these places, you could watch on this television screen, the celebrations as they unfolded and unfolded. It was a very moving, moving time. You're talking about something much bigger than that, aren't you? 
we're talking about something much deeper than that. Deeper. And I don't know how big it will be, but I'd like it to be at least 100 million people participating. But the deeper is they were celebrating the turn of the century, and there wasn't any ongoing quality of meaning other than something new is happening. And it was spontaneous and beautiful. What we're saying is it is deeper. Something new is being born through our love and our creativity. And our desire is to connect it such that after birth 2012, there will be ongoing sense of coherence of the story of what's being born. And we talk about the new story as the universe story, but I'm saying we're in the story. And instead of having this fragmented news of what's not working, I would like the result of birth 2012 to be a shift in our consciousness that we're all here and that we have the technology resources and know how to make the world work if we connect and celebrate what's working. And and therefore, it's bigger than, in the sense, more meaningful than anything we've ever done before. You've been at this for a long time, really. I, I... I so applaud you for staying on track, Barbara. You have been, you've been like a laser beam about this new story and about reporting on all the things that are working. You have mapped out something. You, what, tell us about your map and what it looks like, that, that whole spiral. And, and Yes, I call it the map to cross the gap. To cross the gap. And right. what's the gap? Here's breakdown on one scenario. And on another scenario is a sense of breakthrough towards sustainability, peace, cooperation, and evolvability of humanity and life. Okay, the gap is between the breakdown scenario and the breakthrough scenario. How do we move fast enough to avoid the accelerating breakdowns to get to the new era of uh, planetary civilization? And my answer is, it's a wheel. <laughs> okay. It's a okay. Reinvention of Re- the wheel. Reinvention of the wheel. And if you can imagine placing a wheel in the gap, the wheel is an architecture of all basic functions of humanity considered as a wheel-shaped environment. Health, education, economics, science and technology, arts, media. And we're saying that when we place within that wheel projects that already are working, Uh, golden innovations that manifest a sustainability and possibly an evolution of that function, as in health, as in education, wherever it's breaking through. So the idea is to scan for a map and connect what are the golden innovations. And we have a project to do that now with Corrine McLaughlin and Eleanor LeCain and Let's fill the wheel. And my sense is that when those projects that are working see each other as part of a whole system, they recognize their organs in the new social body. And we've just learned with health that we're not just dealing with the heart or the stomach or the brain. We're dealing with a whole organism who has these organs. Planet Earth is a whole living system and it has these cultural organs, innovations in every field. And so the new map is, because the wheel is all there simultaneously, when you connect it, you go nonlinear, exponential interaction of what works. 
And this is like that, what you were talking about earlier, the novelty. Nature likes to kind of put novel things together in new ways. And this is where the jump can occur. Exactly. And when you study uh, Ilya Prigogine and the billions of years, you see nature has been taking jumps through higher connectivity, just as Elizabeth Satora says about the biological realm. So it occurred to me years ago, if nature's been doing it for billions of years, let's us do it consciously. Consciously. Now, give an example. How will people connect? Let's say, let's take health as a, an aspect of that wheel of social yeah. connections. So, let's take health. How would how would your work and what you're doing help people connect with their innovations in health? Well, the model will be on birth2012.com, and we're going to start out by asking people who are really well-known in the field, let's say, and, and, and Andrew Weil or Deepak Chopra in health, what do you know that is a health, um, a health innovation that when people do it, they're, they're healed or their health increases? And let's just fill it up to begin with, with examples of the emerging world. So first of all, people get the sense of hope and direction from the pragmatic reality of what's working. And then another one is uh, Lynn McTaggart, her What Doctors Don't Tell You. That's a wonderful innovation of she just sends out this great newsletter that, yes. that helps us to understand what's happening. And the intention experiment she does and her book Bond, in which she shows that nature's tendency is for this connectivity. Believed, Justine, the truth is our social architecture for 5,000 years has been separation has been pyramidal, top-down, patriarchal structures. And I believe that those structures came to an end of their usefulness when we dropped the atomic bombs on Japan. Because the power of modern civilization is so huge that if it stays in that top-down competitive structure as nation-state, organized religion, global corporations, if there isn't some greater connectivity beyond that structure, we will not be able to handle the complexity of the problems because they're all interacted. So we've outgrown the, the hierarchical way of doing things, and it, now it's nonlinear, and, and so I can just feel us kind of having to relax into that and, and to say, okay, it's, it's okay to be a little chaotic, isn't it? Well... It's necessary. <laughs> and the wheel, just as a symbolic social architecture, gives us a sense of structure of whole system breakthrough. Because you can just visualize a wheel and you have all these different projects in there and they all have their website. But you see the emerging world revealed in a whole system way. And another thing about the map to cross the gap, the wheel has a hub. That's the hub of the wheel. And visually, if you see the spiral of evolution, it goes into this big turn on the spiral. What comes through the hub is not only personal revelation or personal mystical experience, but shared revelation when we get resonant with each other. Like right now, you and I being in resonance, we're echoing back the higher aspect of our being to each other with a heart-centered feeling, what happens is social revelation. 
So it's really important that we connect in in a real way, not not just um, just thinking about it, but actually connect with each other. Whether we do it in our meditations and think about one another and hold each other in this heart coherence, or whether when we are together, it's really important the feedback that we get from that kind of connection. Yes, and what we're suggesting in birth2012.com is that anybody who feels attracted to giving their greater expression toward the birth, join together with two or three or four people and place themselves on the map of creation. We're going to talk about that. (laughs) Uh, I'm here with Barbara Marks Hubbard. She's the author of Birth 2012, and beyond. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. here with Barbara Marks Hubbard. She's the author of Birth 2012 and Beyond, Humanity's Great Shift to the Age of Conscious Evolution. And if you'd like to be in touch with her, her work, her books, her, her, uh, her courses, you can go to her personal website, which is evolve.org. Or you can also go, and I, I, this is wonderful to check out, birth2012.com. So those two websites are the two websites, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. Barbara, you're talking about people getting together, and this really takes the conversation into something that is, is called shift circles. So talk about what are shift circles and what's going on. Well, we're inviting people who would like to participate in this birth movement towards the new culture and civilization to join with each other right where they are. And a shift circle or a hub, we have slightly different words, a hub could be four people who want to get together to celebrate this birth and who would like to plan a birthday party. (laughs) Well, if they're going to do that, then we recommend they form a circle And they deepen their resonance with each other, their heart connection, that they meditate together, that they share their own deepest self together, and that they then do their work, whether it be planning for a birthday celebration or in health or education, whatever they're attracted to, they do it from the hub of the wheel, which is a practice of heart math, of shift from ego to essence, of shift circle, and it feels to me that we need to be in communion, in community, to hold the resonance to go out into the world, whatever we're doing. So it's not a time of isolation, is what you're saying. This is a time of connection, and we have to be active in choosing to connect and putting that in our our schedules and making room for that. Exactly. And we're saying a good reason to get started is you would like to participate on December 22nd in celebrating something that is your gift. 
And because here's the plan, is anyone who wants to do this forms a hub with a, with a circle in it and connects with other hubs. So let's say we have several in the Bay Area of California and in Washington, D.C., and in, uh, let's say, New Zealand, Australia. As the web makes it possible for all these hubs to connect. And when the planetary birth comes along... All the hubs will be in mass resonance and meditation and toning and breathing together like cells in the living body of planet Earth. So what, what will the feedback mechanism be? So let's suppose I have a circle of, I know my women's circle, there are seven of us and we've been meeting for you 30 already have years. A circle. So I have, yes. I have this circle and let's suppose we decide we want to participate on December 22nd in the birthday party, in the celebration. So we do something. We, we decide to have a dance or something. And, and so how will we know about the others that are doing it? Well, you go to birth2012.com and you click on what to do and there's these hubs and a map. So the first thing you would do is you'd place yourself on the map. You'd you'd put on the internet you say here I am. I am uh in wherever you're living with this circle and this is what we want to do. We want to do a celebrative dance on on December 22nd and we're preparing by reaching out and talking to other people and we're going to be gathering more people than just the five or six of us. We're aiming at 50 people or we're aiming at a big event right where we live. You just describe it and then other people are inspired by you and you also see who's nearby who would like to do that. So we're hoping that people will connect not only in their own circles, but in with others. So I might be able to, with our small group, be able to find other groups in the area that are committing to this, and then we join uh, together in a bigger yeah. one. And the more we, we really join together, the more resonance, I suppose, happens. Yes, and let's assume this is a natural event that... Connecting with each other in resonance and love is natural for a birth of the next stage of evolution, that we can't do it in separated structures fighting and competing. Let's say this is as natural and dangerous as a biological birth. What you said, and dangerous. Natural and dangerous. Birth is dangerous. Biological birth. You know, no matter how many times you've gone to breathing classes, <laughs> no matter how good the situation of your childbirth, it's still difficult. And, and you know this, you've had that, you've gone through this five times in your life. You've birthed five children. And you know, the, the, the words you always want to hear from the midwife or the doctor is, it's normal. It's so interesting because often we think of normal as not very exciting. But a normal birth means the child is healthy, has all its little organs intact, and can grow. So as a planetary mama, what I would like us to be able to say, oh, it's normal. We can survive, we can grow, we are connected, we're being born as a planetary species. There are millions of us who feel this way, we're not alone, and the genius of our technological resources and our uh, various innovations 
is enough. And nature has been doing this for billions of years, so there's no reason why we can't. No worries. <laughs> but Barbara, why is it important for us to have a vision of a positive scenario for the future? Why is, is it important, and if so, why? It's essential, the famous phrase, where there is no vision, the people perish. We are actually human beings who need meaning. We're meaning makers. And when our culture loses its meaning for its future, and the, the, the idea that we could affect our own future in a positive way, there is a depression, there is a... Um, actually an opening for the lesser parts of the reactionary parts of society. Society begins to go reactive. We see it in all the religions, in Christianity, in Judaism, in Muslim. We see it in politics, going back in order to try to hold on to something stable. And but that's you, happening right now. We all can throughout see the it. world. Some of the most, you know, people that you considered totally peaceful are becoming reactive. Meanwhile, there's this group over here <laughs> that's becoming excited to connect. And the, this is the thought, small fluctuations in a sea of social chaos can jump the system to a higher order. That's very, very important for us to hold because it, it, we think that it's got to be some great big jump, but it's the small fluctuations connecting with each other, none of us are the head of a nation state or the head of a big global corporation because if we were, we couldn't do this. It actually is a self-selection process. The higher up you go in an old pyramid structure, the harder it is for you to be a change agent. But when you're down here like you and me on this radio show, right now there's nobody stopping us. I, I think of Margaret Mead's quote about uh, the only change that it, when a small group of people get together, then they produce change, and that's the only way that it has. I'm not quoting that, that That's exactly. exactly what she said. And what we're saying is let's have many small groups connected. And I, I think, Justine, the way I got my name placed in nomination for vice president on the Democratic ticket in 1984 is everywhere I've... I went small circles formed. In, in 1984, we called them positive future centers. And these positive future centers did exactly what we're saying. They joined together through the heart. They felt that deep inner inspiration of resonance. They, be, they cr created a little hub. And then they began to reach out into their community for others to do work. And they all had one chosen purpose, 200 delegates sign a petition to place my name in nomination for vice president. When I was told I'd be lucky to get one delegate if she were my mother. <laughs> and I did do this by, I believe, in part at least, the resonance of all these small groups joining. Exactly. And I had a great idea, which was the vice president should have the function of scanning for, mapping, connecting, and communicating what's working. So here's the amazing thing. I've lived long enough to realize that the folks who are going to do this is not the president and vice president of the United States. It's us. And birth2012.com and the Shift Network 
having chosen to produce a planetary experience of oneness, wholeness, and birth, is actually gearing up for the celebration. And that that gearing up in that that one day is not the end of it. That's just marking a a a point in the path, isn't it? Well, exactly. The metaphor of birth is very good here. When a baby is born, you don't say, "Oh well, now we're finished." <laughs> no, the work really begins. But I think it's necessary for our culture to have a more gentle birth to realize that so many of us are already shifting. Barbara, tell, tell us about why or if the, the inner work that we are doing is really important because it gets then reflected in the outer. That it's, The inner work is, is, is of utmost importance at this time. Yes, because it comes from the inside out. And one reason we're saying form circles or if you already have a circle, you can just place that circle on the map and say, this is what we'd like to do, because the circle is a, sh- a field where you can deepen your spiritual practice together. And I'm, I'm saying that the, the togetherness of the two or more picks up more of the pattern of people's life purpose, people's vocations of destiny, and how we can connect So we have to manifest communion and community in small groups connected, I believe, in order to fulfill our divine destiny as a more planetary culture. Going back to what you were talking about in the 70s when I first heard you talk, one of the things that popped out at me because of your own experience of the birthing process, you were talking about how the baby in in utero in as a fetus, the last thing that to connect is the nervous system, which is the feedback system for the whole whole baby and. So at that time, we didn't even know about the internet. We didn't even know what was coming. And you had this confidence that we were somehow going to use that metaphor to, to, as a planetary being, have that feedback system. And then the internet came and really got more and more refined by the 90s, and now it's very refined. And here we are connected all together in instant. So I want you to talk about that in just one moment. I'm here with Barbara Marks Hubbard. She's the author of Birth 2012 and Beyond Humanity's Great Shift to the Age of Conscious Evolution. And there are many other contributors to this book, and we'll, I want to mention I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions.
I'm here with Barbara Marks Hubbard. We're talking about conscious evolution and this grand birthday party that, that will help us to celebrate the choices that can be made for a positive future. And Barbara, we were talking about when I, when I first met you, you know, 40 years ago, and you were you were talking about this holding this grand vision, and you didn't know how we would all connect it up, and how what the feedback system would be. But now we have this incredible feedback system with new technologies. Well, I'm really stunned as a visionary who was inspired by other visionaries particularly Teilhard de Chardin and Buckminster Fuller and all of those wonderful early pioneers, that by being, it's not just faithful to a vision, the vision motivated me to express my energy toward it, and so did everybody else. You think of the 60s and all the millions of people in consciousness and women's movement and civil rights and peace, all of that was toward a vision. And now we have an evolutionary meta-vision to say all of it tends to converge to create a shift. So every single visionary who did any of these things, by the nature of evolution, everything that's rising is connecting, not just because we're making it connect, but because nature connects it. We have a chance to live through our vision, all of us, together. And it's really, I know you have said it's really important, makes a huge difference for us to hold that vision. We see it manifested in your own life. You have held this vision for 50 years. And the effect of holding a vision and acting on it is what I'm calling regenopause for a woman. I am regenerating through being activated by the impulse within me. And now that impulse is so, takes dominion so much that I am the impulse. <laughs> I'm not separated from the impulse. It's very much like you, Justine. You're really not separated from the impulse of being a way for us to give all these voices a chance to be heard. You are that impulse. And when that happens, when your vocation and your essence become one and you say yes, your life as an individual begins to take hold in joy, in regeneration, in co-creation, in love of one another. It's the greatest healer there is. And it, that, that just reminds me of uh, the idea of that generosity in, in, instead of cooper, uh, co- competition, that it's an age of generosity. And, and how much, how good that feels when we give to another. It's, it's like no other feeling. Well, you know my, my most um, fun word is supra-sex. <clears throat> is nature clearly had a very strong motivation to get us to reproduce the species. And we did a fabulous job. And if we doubled it one more, we'd destroy all life. So the very urge for procreation <clears throat> is evolving in millions of us to include the urge for co-creation. That our desire to join our genes for the baby is moving into the desire to join our creativity and our genius. And when we do, it's fun. (laughs) Oh, boy. Barbara, uh, tell me, do you say something about the the idea 
that there is a possibility, as Buckminster Fuller had, had said so many times, we can have a world that works for everyone. Is that a true statement in your field of knowledge? I would put it slightly differently now. We can have a world in which everyone can work for a world that works. In other words, what we're really looking for is a way to liberate the creativity of the individual to work toward a world that works. So instead of saying we can have a world that works for everyone, it makes you sort of passive. Yes. You're hoping that somehow a group of geniuses will work this out. But the real truth is we're beginning to have a world in which everyone can work to give their gift for a world that works for everyone. So what we're calling for is an opening of human creativity, heart, and connection. And let's try it out. Try it out. <laughs> try it. You know, and that, that just reminds me too, Barbara, that those naysayers say, oh, it would never work. You know, <clears throat> I had a talk with a very famous person the other night who said to me, Barbara, do you have the slightest hope that what you're doing could work? And I said, well... <laughs> I actually do, and this person was working very, very hard on the question of thermonuclear war. And I said, well, do you think what you're doing could make a difference in stopping thermonuclear war? He said, well, I don't think it'll have much difference, but I'm doing it anyway. And, and you know, yeah, he was like very down on the possibilities of him having an effect. So I said, well, I, on the other hand, feel almost sure that we're going to have an effect because I'm, it's already having an effect on everybody who's part of this. Everyone who has hope, who has vision, who wants to express creativity and wants to join, already is feeling the effect in their own lives. So I know it works for everyone who works toward it. Because they're already uh, feeling this optimism, this this heartfelt love, and... It, it doesn't even matter how it turns out and it is in some ways. I mean, as long as we're holding that, that's the important thing. Th this is a really good point. There, I have a sense of expectancy, like a mother would who's expecting a child. And to some degree, it really matters how it turns out. You hope that the baby lives. You hope that the mother lives and so on. But whether or not and how it works out, the process of participating is working out already. And that, that, there we are, there we are, that process. It's the process that's keeping us going. And, and as we join with others, it keeps our spirits up, so to speak. Look at you, Justine, <laughs> and me. I, I, I'm 82 years old. And look at my spirit. Sometimes people say, well, who is really asking you to do all this, Barbara? Why? I said, you know, it's the impulse of love and creativity, and in the doing of it, I'm self-rewarded. And that's right. That's the self-reward, exactly. So tell me, how many people do you think, there? we've learned something about the tipping point, that there is a point where things will shift over? How many people will it take, do you think? to start to feel the, the new birth, the possibilities for a positive future? 
It's very uncertain, but Ken Wilber, for example, says that there are now 5% of the people in what he calls second tier or whole system integral consciousness. He estimates if another 5% of us were to have whole system integral awareness, that that's enough to shift the system. Uh, someone from HeartMath and the Global Coherence Project says if 350,000 of us were in heart resonance, it would affect the noosphere. The consciousness field would feel that love and, you know, it would get its collective heart. And then Jose Arguez estimates if enough people enter the noosphere in this consciousness, the noosphere becomes telepathic. So it's not only one by one by one additive. It goes into nonlinear opening of the tipping point to make it easier for people. They call it the morphogenetic field. Like if the rat learns something in one rat maze, that rat would learn, another rat would learn it more easily in another one because the field is affected. I'm assuming that the field of consciousness is affected by everyone who enters this state. So what you're saying, that's why it's important for us to do our work and keep our heart in that coherent resonance. Exactly. And the addition here is let's connect everyone who is already doing this and those who would like to do it who might not have heard about it fully and let's celebrate it and so by the due date being a December 22nd 2012 at a, as a very beginning of a celebration of ongoing birthing like Earth Day you don't just have one of them it's every year Earth Day. Exactly. And some people are spell, spelling birthday B apostrophe E A R T H. Oh. Birth. Uh, Earth is yes. giving birth to a species like capable of loving and co-creating with life. So Barbara, the connecting part, so if we, we feel our own part, uh, the, but the connecting with others, that causes a kind of amplification. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? It is. And the resonance by the connectivity of consciousness uh, connecting heart with heart, center with center, frequency with frequency, actually is a frequency that's coming out of Earth. And when I had a planetary birth experience, which I consider like a advanced revelation of what this might feel like, I felt the light that mystics have always seen coming through so many of us simultaneously that the inner experience of spirit was felt in, in different people's language and different images. And it actually was able to radiate a field, not only within Earth, but out in the universe. Barbara, it's all very, very exciting. I, I want people to, to, to connect with the SHIFT Network, which, which is helping to coordinate some of this uh, with their marvelous work with that. And then you can also find out more about Barbara's personal work by going to evolve.org, uh, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. Barbara, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Justine. I love being with you. <laughs> thank you. I love being with you. My name is Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number 3443. You've been listening to a New Dimensions archive edition, recorded in 2012.
New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. For over four decades, New Dimensions has been producing weekly conversations at the leading edge. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions.